Welcome to our brand new show It's not that complicated so listen close We'll go through IMDB Reviewing all of Tom Hanks movies Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank Cobwebs, Jamie, we're back! Yes, that's right. Forget last week where we randomly assessed all of our previous episodes. This is the week we're back. Hiya! We're off the holiday. I'm rusting. Hiya! I went to Portugal. I ate a lot of chicken piri piri. Hiya! That's me punching life in the face, Jamie. Hiya! Chocolate mousse. Is Portugal famous for it? I don't know, but I ate a lot of chocolate mousse. But when I came back, people said I looked like I lost weight. I think it's because I shaved my beard, but maybe it's the chocolate mousse diet, Jamie. Maybe it's the chocolate mousse diet. Who fucking knows? Oh, you know what? I spent two weeks without you, and I really thought I missed it. Completely take that back. (laughs) So, uh, hello, and welcome to Hanks Bank, I guess, the show where we chronologically review Tom Hanks' entire IMDb. I'm Jamie Loxon, with me as always is my co-host Al Gillespie. Say hello, Al. Hello! As you referenced in your uh, little cold open, uh, and as we've talked about basically on every episode for the last like three weeks, yeah, yeah. you went away for two weeks. Oh yeah, I was away. Um, so we haven't recorded for a little bit, and uh, we, we're, we're, f- we're figuring out, finding yeah. our way back into the groove. You've had a good time on holiday. Yeah. I've had a shit time here with not on holiday That's and you true. not being here, but oh. hey, we're back and now and it's all fun and cute. Yeah. What do we do, Al? Uh, <laughs> what do we do on this podcast? Um, every week, uh, you bring your favourite Hank, and I bring my favourite Tom, <laughs> and we then, like, battle them together to see who deserves to be in the Hanks bank, uh, and who, who should be the successor to Tom Hanks, uh, one day if you were ever to pass away, uh... What the fuck? Sorry, I stopped paying attention. I'll be honest. I was looking yes. something up on my phone. And then I oh, just twig in on... Poor Shane. Uh, <laughs> I twig in on if you were ever to pass away. What the oh, fuck? You, if Tom Hanks were ever to oh, pass away. Oh, if Tom Hanks were ever to pass away. Of course, me. Jamie. Don't worry. Um, no. Right, so, um, of course, we are the show where we mm. chronologically review Tom Hanks' entire MVP. However, last week we had a slowing it down episode. Yeah. You know, we were, we were reviewing his career up until this point before we reviewed sure. Sleepless in Seattle, as we are doing this week. Um, but... We obviously have a, a longer concept, Al. Okay. Um, yeah. What are you? What are you? What I, were you I, I was getting at? ready to friends thought. It's not. A no, friend no, it's thought. not a friends thought. No. Yeah, we do have many friends thoughts um, <laughs> in this episode, uh, but uh, that is not uh, what I am trying to do. Is I uh, recently, uh, what in tri- about three weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, we had an elaboration on our general concept. We sort of, we freeballed, uh, yeah. we say we, Brexit. I, I freeballed yeah. it um, and, and figured out <laughs> a whole bunch of uh, longer, well. longer mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you say, Flexit is one of those things. So I'm, what I did <laughs> when we listen, yeah, I knew I wouldn't remember that. So what I did was I messaged yeah. uh, the person I'm seeing with like a list yeah. of like all the points I hit one of which was Flexit. And so I've looked up the word flex in our conversation to try and find that list. Apparently the word flex is used a lot in my conversation with my girlfriend. So it's really fucking hard to find where I... Oh my God. This is so... There it is. There There it fucking is. So, of course, we are the show where we chronologically review Tom Hanks' entire MDB. We also the show where we just have terrible openings every single time. That's true. But we are also the show where aliens have invaded. Ooh. Of course. They've come down. Uh, they've tried. They want us to prove our worth to them to join the United States of space. Another thing I forgot. Um, uh, <laughs> yes. So, um, trampolines. 
That was a key part. Uh, that's how we we, oh, we yeah we, we trampoline up, up and okay. meet them in the sure. middle. Great. Uh, they're they're tractor beaming down. We trampoline up and meet them in the middle. <laughs> they they speak a language called <laughs> Swahili. Yeah, that's that's of course an important detail yeah. of this. It's also one of the three languages you can speak, Jamie. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, key, key aspect oh. of this mythology is I can speak French, Spanish, and English, okay. but I could not speak Swahili. So they threw me a pin, which I injected into my brain and was able to speak Swahili. However, you have been able to speak Swahili since birth. It's true. It's true. English, Latin, uh, ancient Greek, and Swahili. Yes. yes. Uh, and so they informed us that a planet called Flomatron 8 yeah. had triggered Article 42 to start the process of Flexit. The process of Flexit was started by Travid Tramron, who flexed his biceps and said, we out, bitches! And that was his triggering Article 42. Um, there's also a, uh, a key part of the mythology is there is a flow rider yeah. who is from, from Flomatron 8, yes. but is not the same flow rider from, from Earth. And from Florida. And from Florida. So, yeah, they want us to replace Flomatron sure, 8 sure. Have it as they're going through the process of Flexit. Do you want to add any mythology to this? Um, sure, sure. Uh, the year oh, no. Stargate 22. That was the year... Wait, what was the year Stargate 22? You can't just say the year was Stargate 22. Flexit, it was... Flexit. Was, was, was Stargate in, in, So in space, in Aliens, they have different... Stargates, yeah. They have different year, ways well, of measuring well, years. Well, yes. Now, it, are those way, years measured in different Stargate. numbers of 22? So sure. is it Stargate 22 and Star Trek 22 no. and Star Wars 22? Or is it Stargate 22, 23, it's, 24? In the same way that certain countries... Uh, to some extent, the UK is one of these. Uh, certainly, Japan uh, measures time by the Imperial Dynasty. Yeah. Um, so it might be kind of the, oh, the Romans did this. You know, the the third, no, the second year of the consoles, this and this. Um, so too in space, uh, I think it's measured Stargates. Yeah. So this was Stargate Twenty Two. That's the the era was Stargate Twenty Two. Okay. And then within that, uh, you know, look, I, my, my my space calendar is a bit mucked up in my head, but I think it might be April Fourth. April Fourth, um, Stargate Twenty Two. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so since then, sure. Um, has a, has it been a new year? How long are years in space? No, they're, they're kind of they're, they're planning to start a new Stargate as soon as uh, Flexit properly manages to leave. Oh, okay. If so, ever, oh, it will be cu- forever. Currently, there's a lot of like no deal negotiations going on, <laughs> not going on. It's weird. Uh, yeah, Jamie. Uh, no, no, I'm not finished. Okay, I have not finished the concept of the show because I haven't got to the actual part that we do, which is we have to prove our worth to them. So we've decided to do that by showing them the works of our greatest human. We have decided that person is Tom Hanks, but we can't show them all of his works. So we are spending about a year and a half, two years. We're saying, you know, chill, Mm -hmm. you know, flex. It's going to take a while anyway. We're going to go away. We're going to come back to you Mm -hmm. with a curated collection of Tom Hanks works Mm -hmm. called the Hanks Banks. (laughs) No, the Hanks Bank. Fuck. God damn it. Um, Shot again, (laughs) Jamie. The whole episode starts Shut it all down. Hello. (laughs) No. Um, so, yeah, we are showing them the Hanks Bank, the collection of TVs and movies that we deem worthy that are going to prove our worth to the aliens to join the sure. United States of Space sure. to, to replace Flomatron 8 after they've completed the process of Flexit. Jesus Christ, what were you going to say? Um, so, how was your last two weeks? Clearly it was productive. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I've done nothing. Yeah, I've done absolutely yeah. nothing. I quit my job. Uh, that, that's what I did. Yeah. I, I did, yeah, no yeah. longer work there. Um, I now am 
technically a full-time tutor, but Yay. not earning enough money. Yeah. But, you know, fine full-time. Who cares? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I moved house. That's the other thing. Yes, yes. Yes, I moved to... Literally across the road from you, not deliberately, I promise. And oh, bless Alyssa! I already, I already spend enough time here. Oh, now yeah. it's going to be. Now I can walk here. So now it's you, and also the two other people you're living with yes. are going to be over a lot more. So that's yes, great. yes. So, so Alyssa, Alyssa's going to be. Ve- you're going to be very happy. Be Alyssa's very- going to be furious, <laughs> but it's fine. She won't hear this for fourteen weeks, as we've established. Um... Yeah, I moved house. Anything? I don't think anything else happened in my life. Alexander, where is my birthday present? Look, I'm really sorry. Okay, <laughs> this is now into the second month of it not being delivered, and me still talking to this company. Yes, I'm going to continue talking to this company. We'll try to find another company to remake the thing I have ordered already, which is apparently made by them twice. It's never gotten to me at all. I um, I unfortunately also looked them up afterwards. Uh, like reviews of the company all oh, their bad reviews they're very bad oh, good, reviews good, and I can good, see good. why um, uh, yes, so yes. I'm to find someone else to make these uh, things which is annoying but in the meantime I do have a gift for you okay um okay, oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah go for it I've got a gift uh, okay yeah, it's, like, it's a housewarming gift so I thought to myself what, what does a young a young boy just moving into you know his first flat in London out, outside of home need and I thought to myself does he need a copy of Hillary Clinton Hillary Rodden Clinton's what happened? A seminal book about the 2016 election. Now, it's a really good book, and you can borrow it if you want, but this is not your gift. Okay. <laughs> Next, I thought to myself, uh, you know, obviously you're living with a girl. I, I think it might be the first time you're living with a non-family relative who's a woman. So I thought to myself... Yes, that is correct. Uh, maybe you That's, need... Uh, oh, how, I hate that you know that. Sure. <laughs> uh, so maybe you need uh, you know, a bit of inspiration, a bit, a bit of like a how-to guide. Uh, so a book uh, called uh, Feminists Don't Wear Pink and Other Lies Amazing Woman on What the F Word Means to Them. I'm not sure. Oh, feminism. <laughs> I thought it meant fucking. Um, but yes, I, I thought I could give you this. And again, you can borrow it. It's like a lending library if you want. So you okay. bring it back. But that's but not no, my gift, okay? No. Uh, Simile, you know, uh, you're a young man. Uh, so a book on the birth of the pill. Uh, could be really important, really interesting. <laughs> Honestly, we made great conversations. If someone's like, what are you reading? I'm like, you're reading The Birth of the Pill. Would be okay, good. cool. But no, instead, uh, I know you have a PS4. Uh, there's a new version that's coming out. Uh, so I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you a copy of Persona 5. Oh, wow! Um, I played this game, it was like 110 hours, uh, so, and there's also a newish version of it coming out, so if I get another one, I'll get that one. But yeah, uh, Persona 5 is a good game. <laughs> actually a good game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, oh, your actual gift is still coming, it's still sure. coming. No, this is actually a good yeah. gift. I was also going to insult you because you offered me three books to begin with, and you know I can't read. <laughs> yeah, <it's true. laughs> However, uh, now I feel mean because... <laughs> I, I had a bit prepared yeah. about how long it's taken since since my birthday. I'm still going to do the bit, yeah, yeah. but this is actually a good gift, yeah. and thank you very much. But I'm still going to do the bit that I prepared. So, dear listeners, <laughs> it is at time of recording, yeah. August 31st. My birthday is June 29th. That is 64 days. Now, to give you a little bit... Uh, you know, the, everyone knows how long 64 days is, but... Do you really ever think how long 64 days is and how long ago 64 days was? Theresa May was still Prime Minister and had not even announced her resignation on my birthday. (laughs) We, on this podcast, had only just reviewed Big. That's so long ago. That we have released nine episodes since then. 
And you could have listened to all nine of those episodes back to back 150 times since my birthday. What else could I have done since my birthday in those 64 hours, you may ask? Well, let me tell you. I could have gone to the moon and back 10 times. <laughs> it takes three days to go to the moon. <laughs> what? And back. You mean on Virgin Galactic? No, I mean on how long it takes to go to the moon. Jamie, okay, I couldn't have... It takes less time to actually get to the moon, I think. I don't think it takes a three... It's not a DJ journey Okay, to the moon. what I did was yeah. I googled how long does it take to, the, to get to the moon, and it said about three days. That's as much research as I did. All right, all right. So, Someone write so, in with so, how long it would actually take So to what you're telling me is I could have actually gone to the moon and back more times. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. Um, Travelling at the average cruising speed of a passenger airline, I could have flown around the world... 34 times. That's surprisingly slow. <laughs> we'd be quick on that. Travel said about 525 miles an hour. I think I measured it at 550. It's The average cruising speed is between 525 and 575 miles an hour. I measured it at 550 because that's in the middle. And ladies and gentlemen, if you have small children who need tutoring in maths, Jamie is here for you. He has an A-level in it. Yes, I, yes, I do. Um, I am actually a maths tutor now. Thank you. Um... I could have watched Usain Bolt run the 100 metres 552,960 times since my birthday. Since my birthday, I could have flown to Disneyland Paris, spent a week at Disneyland Paris, then flown to Disney World in Orlando, spent a week there. I could have then flown to Disneyland Resort in California, spent a week there. I could have flown to then all three of Hong Kong Disneyland Resort, Shanghai Disney Resort and Tokyo Disney Resort and spent a week at each of those three locations. I could have then flown to Tanzania, climbed Kilimanjaro, gone back down, flown home and still had four days left over to put together a cute little photo album of my amazing adventure. Honestly, that sounds like the best holiday ever. Yeah, I could have done all those things if I wasn't waiting for a birthday present, Alexander. That's, that's true, that's true, that's true. <sighs> well, your birthday present's still coming. That, yeah. That'll tide you over for now. Yeah, so I guess but I'll open it next week. Yeah, I uh, mean, hopefully if it comes. If well, not, I'll bring a new one and just express delivering yeah. it now because I need to for the bit. Oh, uh, God. My right. holiday was good. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Well, no, we, we already discussed before recording. Yeah. We'll catch up as friends after oh, this. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Dear listeners, we haven't seen each other for two weeks, sure. and we no, I no, walked no. into his house, and immediately we just basically yeah, started recording. Yeah. We did not catch up at all. The um, the only thing I will say is my review of Taylor Swift's uh, Lover will come next week. Oh, God. Um, of oh, course, well. very important. I have some mixed feelings about it. Most importantly, the song London Boy. Yes, yes, yes. Oh. Lots of feelings Let, let's about be that. to Brixton. <laughs> yeah, next, next week might just be the London Boy episode. Because, oh boy, I could go on on about that for a while. But we won't do that this week because, (laughs) god damn it, this is actually like a big film that we have a lot to talk about. And we have spent half an hour before we've even got into historical context. I'm so sorry, but people are looking down at their phones right now and seeing the hour and a half list in this podcast and thinking, Jesus Christ. But, of course, when we review a film, uh, we have historical context and we have uh, show or film context. Last few uh, weeks, we had three films in 1992, so you took over 1992's historical mm-hmm. context mm-hmm. and then gave me a quiz at the end. We're going to do that again. I'm going to take over 1993's historical context yeah. and then give you a quiz actually on the first episode of 1994 uh-huh. because it's going to be the Streets of Philadelphia Bruce Springsteen music video so we feel like we'll have a little bit less to say sure, about that. Sure. So, as I'm breaking down uh, the historical context of 1993, I've got three episodes to do it. Mm-hmm. 
know what I'm going to do? Break it down by month. So you know, tw- tw- 12 months in a year. Yeah. Divide that by three. I do maths. That's four. Cool. First four months, cool. January to April. Yeah. Let's go. So, the 1st of January in 1993, yeah. Czechoslovakia ceases to exist. Oh, yes. Sorry, yes. For people good? who don't know what's going on, I'm going to give Al a quiz at yeah, the end of this yeah, so he yeah. does have to remember can these I, things. Can I quickly get some water just so I can get my brain... Yeah, running. sure. I mean, I am going to keep talking. I don't know what you want me to do. I'm not just going to be silent, so you better you better keep on listening. <laughs> so Czechoslovakia ceased... Stop talking when you're miles away from the mic. Uh, Czechoslovakia ceases to exist and the Czech Republic and Slovakia become two separate countries in what is called the Velvet Divorce. And fuck me, if that isn't the sexiest name for a separation of two sovereign states I have ever heard. Oh, baby. The European single market market is also created. (laughs) Yeah, a bit bit more awkward in uh, today's context. But yes, the European single market is created on January 1st, 1993. Uh, IBM announces a loss of $4.97 billion for the previous year. It is the largest single corporate loss in US history so far. So, for dear listeners, um, we've just been distracted as a package tries to be shoved through Alexander's letterbox, very clearly fails, and then a dejected knock at the door as he pulls it out. Oh, thank you, dear postman, uh, for interrupting us. Uh, so, yeah, IBM loses a shitload of money. It's the largest corporate loss in the US history so far. Uh, Bill Clinton, as we know, the first black president, is sworn in. Um, uh, Belgium becomes a federal monarchy oh. instead of a unitary kingdom. Do I don't know what that means. I don't know what either of those means, but it might be on the test, so do some extra reading. Gonna ask my <laughs> studying girlfriend what those things mean. Um, the moon moves to its nearest point to Earth, called the perigee, or the perigee. I'm not okay. sure. I've only ever seen it written down. Oh, that'd be Latin. Uh, it'll be around the uh, be gay for uh, the word, the Greek word for lambs, and peri for around. What gay spelled G E E? I mean, in ancient Greek, it's two letters, but yeah. Well, okay, no, cool. No, 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 it, it, it'll be from that sound, I think. Okay, cool. Let's go for that. Um, at the same time as its fullest phase of the lunar cycle, that means the moon appeared fourteen percent bigger and thirty percent brighter than the year's other full moons. Okay. The next time these two events would happen would be two thousand and eight. I didn't see it then either. I was, no. I was, a, I, I think I might have actually. I, I, it's big, I, big moon. Big yeah, big moon. Big, big yellow big moon. moon. All, all that reminds me of is oh, that there was a uh, there was a cheat in a GTA San Andreas yeah. that you could enter, which when you fired a sniper rifle at the moon, mm. it made it bigger. What? I know. That's I, I know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I didn't have that in my notes. It just made me think. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, America. Uh, no. Yes, America. <laughs> I can't read my own writing. Uh, America gets its first uh, female U.S. Attorney General in Janet Reno. Mm-hmm. Unforgiven wins the best Oscar for Best Picture this year. Interesting. Yes, I, I don't know it. I believe Morgan Very, Freeman is in it. Uh, I think Clint Eastwood was definitely in it. It's meant to be one of the best uh, westerns of all time. Cool. I believe so. Macedonia joins the United Nations. The World Health Organization declares tuberculosis a global emergency. Yeah. 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 Fun. 
sad. No anyway, an uh, MORI poll shows that 80% of Britons are dissatisfied with the way John Major is running the country. Oh. He reached, a, reached an 80% disapproval rating. That's, that's, that's France levels of what, hating yeah. our politicians. What, what did he do? I don't know. Didn't do any more research. Please do further reading if you'd like to. All I know is he's our only hope now. Our only hope is John Major <laughs> suing the government. Uh, Vauxhall Corsa is launched, taking over the Nova as Vauxhall's flagship uh, hatchback yeah. car. It still is. It is still to this day. Like 20 years later. Yes. Yeah. Fun fact, it is built in Zaragoza, Spain, where I spent a year living. Uh, it's pronounced Zaragoza. Yes, I, I, I adapted yes. it for our poultry English-speaking audience. You know, those dumb fucks <laughs> that listen to our podcast. They're already dumb enough that they're listening to this podcast. I also assume they don't know how to pronounce Zaragoza correctly. <laughs> Um, you, you have to whisper it as well. Um, and finally, the Queen announces on April 29th that Buckingham Palace will open to the public for the first time. That's quite cool. Yeah. You know, okay, so I'm going to go I, I, I'm just off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. You literally just said them. How much can I remember? Um, first female Attorney General. Yeah, what was uh, her name? Irina... Uh, Arena Franklin, <laughs> no, Janet no, Reno. I, well, I, sounds kind of similar. Um, uh, Belgium goes from being a oh, goes to it, being a federal monarchy from being a unitary kingdom. Yes, well done. Uh, why? Why are you doing this? You're just repeating the information. Because oh, no, otherwise, I'm going to have no chance next week. The three weeks. Uh, yeah, time. in four weeks' time, yeah, you yeah. are so okay. fucked. But of Let, course, in, in the exact same way that um, in the exact yeah. same way that. Uh, you had a pass sure. mark for me. I have a pass mark for you. And if you fail, you're kicked off the podcast. Oh, so you nice. better fucking remember. Yes, and I'm also not allowed to revise the year at all, am I? I like I can't listen to the podcast. <laughs> am I allowed to actually revise the year or not? Um, you know what? Because it's four weeks away. Sure. I will let you re-listen to the podcast, but they must be without taking notes you're allowed sure, to re-listen sure. you're not allowed to take notes yeah. and you cannot listen within a week of the test okay that's fine that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> I'm setting down these rules literally after the, the second to last one I'm just going to sit down and just like, mainline yeah, no, this stuff no, no, just, just mainline them into your ears for 24 yeah. hours straight so Jamie what are we uh, listening to this week what are we listening to watching this week what are we watching this week we're watching Sleepless in Seattle a classic rom-com yeah uh, so let me talk about it. Yeah. Uh, well, uno momento, let me just get this. Yeah, if oh. only you were fucking prepared, I Alexander. Was prepared. I was prepared. Oh my god. So, anyway, so it opens on uh, the 27th of June 1993. Uh, costs about $20 million, makes about $227 million. So a lot of money that's for a, quite a small film. A lot of fucking money. Interestingly, and people might not know this, uh, so the film was, which you probably will know, uh, directed by Nora Ephron, so yes. her first directing effort. But actually, in terms of the script, although she did write on it, and I think she's credited on the screenplay, uh, she wasn't the original writer of it. So there are actually, I think, another two writers beforehand. She got attached to direction, she kind of punched it up. Her sister um, also punched it up for the comedy, which I quite like. She's meant to be quite a collaborative filmmaker. Um, she's, I think, keen on kind of improv and stuff. Um, there's a very funny quote uh, where she talks about a thing on her first film. Um, as a screenwriter you can sit there and all this stuff and then people would start improving on set and she'd just be like I need to take aspirins just keep on mainlining aspirins um, for those of you who don't know and I think this is the kind of really fascinating things uh, Nora Ephron is sort of in many ways the, the queen of rom-com uh, but uh, you know uh, with her two seminal films really being this uh, Steve was in Seattle and beforehand When Harry Met Sally when which Harry is Sally, yeah. arguably the best one in the genre um, 
but beforehand, she was a journalist. So actually, interestingly, she started off uh, in the mailroom of Newsweek. She had, uh, coming out of college, she applied to write there. Newsweek were like, uh, we don't allow women writers. Uh, ah, so lovely. she got a job in the mailroom. Uh, and eventually, <laughs> Ironically. She, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then still trying to get into the writing position. Never got one, so they left and failed. Uh, they left and sued. And they successfully sued, I think, as one of the first... Um, big kind of lawsuits against the company for sexual uh, gender discrimination um, which is really fascinating and actually mm. there was an Amazon show called Good Girls Revolt uh, which was based on that story oh cool yeah um, so after that she went to the New York Post where she worked for five years uh, kind of writing stuff there she went to Esquire she kind of wrote all over she's a big big journalist write a lot of stuff she was married to uh, Carl Bernstein who I don't have his book but I have his uh, mate's is, book is he there. famous for the bears no the, the, no. the very he's famous for it, uh, the exposing Nixon and Watergate, uh, the journalist of Watergate. So yeah. I, I got Bob Woodward's so, book of that. So sim- similar, 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 similar to yeah, bears. Like the bears. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> Watergate was really just they put a lot of bears in a hotel, <laughs> and they're like, why are these bears? But um, no, so uh, she was married to him for a very long time. He was her second husband. She ended up having three husbands, I believe, maybe maybe four. Why are we doing such? Because a she's so great. She's, <laughs> she, anyway, so they get divorced because Bob Woodward cheats on her with. Um, uh, uh, I think one of her best friends, which is terrible. But some other interesting things, she uh, wrote one of the drafts of All the President's Men, the film about the Watergate scandal. Yep. It wasn't the draft that ended up getting used. William Goldman, I believe, uh, came in afterwards to redo it because they had originally said, I think either, I think he came in and kind of fixed the film. Is what He wrote half of it and it's a weird mashup between all these different versions. But it was her draft of um, All the President's Men, which got a, like, a bunch of other screenwriting jobs. Um... Anyway, the, why I'm saying about the story is my, my single favourite fact about Nora Ephron. I've said that okay. maybe a few times. She knew who Deep Throat was for years. So Deep Throat, who you might not know, was the kind of government source who was feeding uh, Woodward and Bernstein kind of facts about Watergate, facts about uh, the Nixon administration's corruption and kind of tapes and stuff. He's the famous blowjob man, yeah? Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course, he was <laughs> the, the porn film, basically. But, um... <laughs> Uh, she so in Woodward's uh, not Woodward so Bernstein's notes she he, she wrote down like MR or something and she figured out who that was and for years after their divorce she would go around telling everyone who asked who it like Deep Throat was no one believed her and then eventually when the guy I think either when the guy died like five years ago after she was dead he the, the, the Deep Throat eventually you know 40 years on said oh by the way it's Deep Throat and she was right she had been going around telling everyone who it was and no one listened to her she's great uh, yeah so I uh, just uh, all super interesting but I'm gonna sure. hop back to the sure. Deep Throat thing um, just because it reminded me I've of course never seen the famous porn film Deep Throat but I believe yes. I believe the plot of that film yeah. is that she has like a vagina in her throat Something along those or like lines. A clit, or, or like or a clit. Or like a preternatural disposition to giving blowjobs. It's like, I, she's very it, deep throat. It's, it, it's something like is, that, yeah. Is the plot of the film just that she like, oh, is like, re- sorry, sorry, audience members that we are. I haven't seen deep either, diving I onto this. I, I, I feel yeah, like, the, the I feel like there's a plot point in that film that is that like, she either has a clitoris or like a vagina in her, in her throat, throat, which is, just the most amazing Instead, male, like male. Oh, sure. what do I make a male fantasy film about? Oh, a woman who just, just naturally is love sucking dick. It's so gonna be the best the film ever. And let's name it after I a believe, fucking political I, scandal. I believe no. I think the scandal was named after. I think that they named the character Deep Throat because the film had already been made. <laughs> That's even better. Um, but 
Yeah, I th- I, uh, side note, I think Deep Throat was like one of the, there's a weird era of porn films where they were kind of like made by arty filmmakers, yeah. or like semi-thing, and I think it is one of those like... Oh yeah, no, it was like, famous, like, oh, like an actual film. film. Yeah, it was like a feature-length film they put into the market. You know what, send, send in a friend's thought if you want about, yeah. <laughs> about if, the film if Deep If someone Throat, other than us wants promise, to watch the film Deep and Throat, And we promise not it. to say your name on air. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll keep you anonymous, <laughs> we'll, we'll call, call you, you Deep Throat. Yeah, so wait. <laughs> We're going to blow this scandal wide open. <laughs> anyway, right. do you have anything about this film that film? isn't about sure, fucking sure, Nora? Sure. Sure. So anyway, now, before we dive into the film, should we give a quick plot summary for anyone who doesn't know? Yeah, Sleep yeah, in yeah, Seattle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Tom uh, Hanks' wife dies uh, of cancer. They move to Seattle. He has Seat- a wee kid. He has a wee son. They move to Seattle. He's very sad. He goes on. He gets forced ended up being on the radio. Sure. Um, where he, uh, talks, where he about talks about sad. it. Everyone around the world loves him because of it, because he's so sweet. Meg Ryan is in a okay relationship she's, she's engaged she's getting, getting married but she thinks there might be something wrong she hears Tom Hanks' um, voice and then it's about them trying to meet coming together yeah That's tell me point. more about this film right so um, interestingly enough kind of, she did the last person or whatever um, it was getting made uh, a lot of people kind of floated for it uh, weirdly um, Jason Schwartz Jason, the guy who's in uh, a lot of the Oh god, I have this film. No, no, uh, Royal Tenenbaums. Um, Jason Schwartzman. That is a name. That is a person. Yes. Uh, anyway, was yeah. was supposed to be the kid at one cool. point. If if, um, if only Alexander Dennis Quaid. I wrote these things down. Yeah. Yeah. If only um, you wrote them down. No, no, okay. So Dennis Quaid was at one point uh, meant to be the main guy role. He's actually married, I believe, to uh, uh, Meg Ryan at the time. Obviously, this is Meg Ryan and uh, Tom Hanks' second film together. Yeah. Um, the first being uh, one of Jamie's favorites, uh, Joe vs. the Volcano. Yeah. Um, it's not their last. They also star in You've Got Mail, which is another Nora Ephron film. I think in ninety. Uh, so pretty soon afterwards no yeah yeah never mind never mind never mind Um, so that was going up there the studio basically thought this was going to make no money uh, at all which is kind of why it was uh, allowed to be structured in the way I guess we'll talk about that in a little bit Um, yeah it it was sort of this kind of really sweet one it references the film A Night An Evening to Remember um, a lot uh, which is a kind of Cary Grant film for the 1950s I want to say the 1940s um, and yeah, those are kind of the interesting facts. I talked a lot about Nora Ephron because Nora Ephron's great. If you're ever interested in writing, just read a load of Nora Ephron stuff. I actually, my girlfriend had a book of her essays when I started reading a book of her essays because I was like, I need more Nora Ephron in my life. She's great. So, should we yeah. talk about this film? Yeah. Um, for anyone who, um... no, we'll, we'll save that for yeah. later. I'll, Cold I'll... open, a funeral. Yes. Tom Hanks plays yes. Sam and his young son sand over the grave of their dead wife slash mother. Yes. We pan out. Do are we in Classic Seattle? Classic comedy. Are we in Seattle? Oh, no. So, no, two things. This is, so two things about this film. Immediately, right off the bat. So firstly, I know I'm going into it that it's a rom-com. Sure. And I know it's called Sleepless in Seattle. Sure. Yes. It, the first shot says Chicago. Does it say Chicago? Yes, it says Chicago. I was like, I, was like, I looked at it and I was like, that's not Seattle. Yeah, it literally flashes up on the screen. Thing? Chicago, and it's a man and his fucking son stood over a fucking grave. Now, interestingly... Great comedy. But yeah, firstly, classic comedy. Ha ha, giggle, giggle. Having a great time. Yeah. Secondly, this is not the only film in Tom Hanks' career that... But starts with a shot of a graveyard. Very famously, Saving Private Ryan also opens oh, on a graveyard. Yeah, yeah. How are there two different films in Tom Hanks when it opens on death? 
Now, the important thing is, uh, I maybe should have mentioned this earlier, but, but, but it's nice to integrate some of these facts. Uh, obviously, you see the young kid there yes. with, with, with his daddy. Um, two I things. don't think we can One, use that word anymore. No, actually, yeah. <laughs> Especially Screw not in you, this context. Internet, uh, left stole the word daddy from us. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway... Uh, so one, he was not the first kid to play that role. Okay. So they actually were shooting the film with another kid. Oh, wow. Who, the story allegedly goes Tom Hanks got fired because um, Tom Hanks had, like, come off a bunch of, uh, kind of, uh, you know, we, we talked about his early career. There are a lot of bad films in there, specifically pretty soon beforehand, um, Bonfire of the Vanities. And so he kind of came onto this with a bit more of an ego, a bit more of wanting to assert himself in the role. Okay. And he didn't get on the kid. He was like, why does the kid have all these great lines? What is this? And... In a, in a thing which got um, Christian Bale also really pissed, the kid was off screen talking. So he yes. would like read his, he would be like practicing his dialogue directly off screen from Tom Hanks, which yeah. getting really pissed off. Yeah. And uh, the first kid got fired. Wow. Um, but now, the second kid. This, this is not the first time we have heard about Tom Hanks getting someone fired. Getting someone fired. He um, got the direct, well, he didn't get on well with the direct, the original director of Turner and Hooch, yes. and he left the film because of that. Yeah, yeah. And then I believe also, oh, I cannot remember which film it is. It's either Joe versus the Volcano or Bonfire of the Vanities, where he didn't like the original Uma Thurman as the uh, oh, female I think, lead. I think that's Bonfire of the Vanities. I think it's Bonfire of the Vanities. He didn't like Uma Thurman and got her fired. Was she? Had she been cast? She had, not, she had not been cast, but she was. She had been screen testing and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. She was not. She was not like she was very deep in the the process. Okay. You know how we have a Tom Hanks dick meter for his oh, characters? What, what about Tom Hanks as a person? <laughs> yeah, what about Tom Hanks as a person? Are we learning slowly that maybe Tom Hanks is, at least at this point in his career, sure. potentially a bit of a dick? I do, here's what I think. I think as a... I think we... And we do forget this a lot of the time. And you, you have this sometimes when you hear uh, actors being interviewed. And sometimes they're like oh, really overly serious about their thing. Yeah. And there's a dissonance between the type of roles people play and the way they actually are as a professional working in a professional environment yeah because I can completely understand why and it's not like he did the Christian Bale thing where he screamed at a guy no, walking no. in his sideline right it's, no no he, he connived and went behind yeah. this kid's back and, and got surreptitiously got him fired that's much better no, yeah and, uh, so the answer is yes I, I'm sure as a whatever 37 year old 40 year old guy with a bit of an ego and wanting to make a better film yeah I think he's potentially he, getting a bit of an ego at this point he's had a few successful films and, feels, and a few also very really not few, successful yes, films yeah. so I think he's maybe asserting himself more I'm not sure how much that continues later on Tom I, just you know Tom for this thing we know you are famously you. a nice guy you are yes. famously a nice human being <laughs> we're just saying what if a specific point in time maybe you're a bit of a dick to a small child yeah um but anyway, uh, so the kid who ends up playing oh my God. is TJ from uh, Recess. Is he? Yes, I didn't realise that. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I, d- I should have recognised. I thought I recognised the voice. However, yeah. Alexander, yeah. can we find that original child? And can we get him to come on this podcast? Yes. And even better, can we do it as as famously people know? Our end goal for this podcast is to yeah, get Tom, Tom Hanks on. We get Tom Hanks on, and then we say. So sleepers in Seattle. We have a friend <laughs> in Walks China. Well, I assume he's not a child anymore. <laughs> anyway, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, so, anyway, so, so, so we're Grave, still on the first yeah, shot of this film. Grave, uh, Tom Hanks. Uh, at that next point, um, they're in the house. They're kind of, you know, they're at the wake. Charles out in the corner, sitting on the stoop. Dad's looking out the garden. Uh, Rita Wilson, who's playing his sister in this film, which I didn't quite. Didn't, I don't think they ever say sister, but the, yeah, playing his sister. Yeah, uh, is like here as well as food, stick in the microwave. Are you sure it's not supposed to be his parents? No, definitely not. Rita okay. Wilson, because she shows up later in the movie, and they're definitely the same age. Okay. Yeah. Um, they 
uh, yeah, she kind of says all this food. He's he's kind of a bit absent. Uh, he's in his office. A kind of a co-worker comes up. is like, he's the card of my therapist. And he is a, he's an architect. And you yeah. can, you know he's an architect. And in the 90s, yeah. because he's in a big glass building and he's a stand-up desk with yeah. a bunch yeah. of pencils on it. Right. <laughs> um, and the guy goes, like, you know, here's the card of my therapist. Maybe you should talk to him. And uh, quite, again, it's a good, a nice moment where he's like, oh, thanks, I've also got... You know, like um, therapy with crowns, like you know, hug, you know, uh, hug it out, bereavement groups, all this kind of stuff. He takes all these cards people are clearly been giving him, and he's like, you know, I, I just need to, we need to go. Like, yeah. oh, I can't really be in Chicago, Chicago anymore. anymore. Um, probably the, one of the films only uses a flashback. You get a brief flashback of them going to see the Cubs play. Yeah. Um, and so they decide really quick in the movie to move. He's like, I need to take a break. I need to know we need to make a change. The guy goes, Oh, I'll take a couple weeks off. And he's like, No, no, I need to, I need to move. So they move across uh, to, to Seattle. Seattle, home of friends of ours, as well as boats, whales, boats, <laughs> coffee, Stop. Starbucks. There is a Starbucks mug at some point. Yes, yeah, 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 home of Starbucks. Um, and so we basically cut to a year and a half later. Yeah, um, they're on a houseboat. Yep. The sign that you're surely two men living together. Yep. You're on a houseboat. No woman would want to live on a houseboat. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, they're together. It's now Christmas. Yeah, um, Christmas Eve, I believe, Christmas Eve. We also cut at this point to um, uh, across to see Annie, played by Meg, Meg Ryan. Ryan for the first time. Meg Ryan, of course, in these couple of films, the most gorgeous woman in the entire world. Uh, apart from my girlfriend, who I love. <laughs> no, it's fine. She won't hear about that no, for 14 weeks. Um, but anyway, so uh, she's with Walter, who is nice but incredibly boring and allergic to a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They have a little gifts. Yeah, he's like, his entire character is like, he's a little bit nervous yeah. and allergic to yeah. everything. And that's supposed to make him boring. Yes. It's, um... However, your dear girlfriend Alyssa is also allergic to everything. Allergic to everything. But she's cool and excited. <laughs> um, that's the difference, Jamie. She lives on the edge. Um, of glory. Uh, so anyway, so they're, they're going over for Christmas. They have a load of gifts. They're giving it to the friends, and they're engaged, and they tell their parents that they're engaged. Um, everyone's really excited. Uh, her mum takes her upstairs to see her great-grandmother's old dress. They're kind of getting dressed up. Her mum talks about how, when she first met her uh, Meg Ryan's dad, it was like magic. It was, it was wonderful. And you kind of see in Meg Ryan's face that this isn't necessarily what it's like between them. She doesn't really believe in the whole uh, signs thing. She doesn't believe in fate. She just believes in making a practical marriage, and that's... Yeah, like the the mother is doing a thing that a lot of films do, which is set unreasonable expectations and levels for love. Like yes. it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect immediately. Yeah. It's a journey. Yes. Everyone has their own journeys. Everyone has their ups and downs. Yeah, yeah. Shut the fuck up, old woman. Um, but anyway, and uh, more importantly, uh, a worrying sign, the wedding dress which Meg Ryan puts on tears. Yes. Now, maybe that's because it's a couple hundred year old wedding dress. Or I maybe. Don't know. Meg Ryan's too fat. Lose some fucking weight, Meg Ryan. Jesus Christ. <laughs> if there are two men who shouldn't be going out telling people to lose weight, it's us. I have lost a stone and a half you're this right, year, Alexander. Right. You know what, Jamie? You have the complete right to go out and yes, tell women to lose I, weight. Apologies. I am absolutely able to criticise 1990s very skinny Meg Ryan. Right. <laughs> um, so, uh, so anyway, so... Uh, cut back to cut, Christmas Eve. Sure. It's, it's, it's a, little bit, a bit of a oh, sad uh, house. Very quickly though, Walter and uh, Annie, uh, uh, Walter's going to go see his parents in uh, Washington DC, Annie leaves uh, something behind the house, so she's like, go ahead, I'll be ten minutes, she's in the car, listen to the radio, cut back to Seattle, Uh, a small child is calling up a radio station, our small child of course, 
Um, yes, the small child we have already Jonah, seen. It's well, not a new small child. No, 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 no. Same small child, Jonah, is calling up. It's Christmas Eve. He's, it's a radio station. It's basically, you think, Frasier, right? This yes. makes me think, and those, again, in back in uh, Baltimore where Annie is. Um, uh, there is um, Annie's, David Hyde Pierce, yeah, plays, is her brother. brother. Playing a psychologist, yes. which makes me think this is in the Frasier-verse. Okay? Yes, yes, he plays a very yeah. similar character. So we're back in Seattle, we're listening to effectively Frasier, like Ross is, like, I don't know, hosting the show. It's been yeah. weird. Um, He's calling kid, up this woman and she's a, an agony aunt, a, a, a she, nice a, a, person. She's on the, Frasier, yes. but a woman in Seattle. Uh, you know, okay. I'm trying to give, uh, sure. you know, Fra- re- Frasier not everyone's watched it I was uh, trying to give uh, a little bit of context right. for people who They've don't know what Frasier is cheers. it's, it's oh, got yeah. that guy from The Good Place in it um, yeah. or, or we could just explain what this sure. woman is in practical nah. terms rather than in She's pop culture Frasier. references think of Cheers think of Frasier and Cheers he has his own spin off for 10 seasons 11 seasons anyway um, so yeah she's and, a pop psychologist um, yeah. and the kid goes I think my, my dad sad. needs a new wife yeah, he thinks his dad's alone and sad, and she's like, how about I speak to your dad? Now, before we move on, mm-hmm. this kid is the most emotionally mature and intelligent fucking, like, eight-year-old I have ever seen in my life. Sure. Like, he seems... Like, I think maybe once in this film it brings up that he's sad about his mum being dead. The rest of the time he's like, my dad's sad, I've got to fix it. I'm a great little eight-year-old. I'm the most emotionally mature person you've ever seen in your fucking life. I think that's fair. I think, But at the same time, like, his desire to have get his dad a wife does make him do some crazy things. And two, I also think potentially kids at a, a, a young age... Are probably uh, there was a very good interview recently with um, Stephen Colbert and Anderson Cooper, both of whom lost their fathers when they were quite young. But they kind of talk about how when you are young, you can bounce back because your view of the world isn't necessarily complete yet. So the idea of being in a world without your parent, your your worldview doesn't necessarily include your parents one hundred percent being there. And so your worldview can shape around that. It might change who you are, but it can shape around that. Whereas someone like Tom Hanks, whose worldview was sort of almost completely encompassed by the fact that he's a married man and he loves his wife so very much, is broken by it and he is a broken man. Mm-hmm. So they kind of, um, he goes across, the, the pop psychologist is like, can I speak to your dad? He goes, sure. And Tom Hanks gets on the phone. And from this point on, we kind of seen cuts between um, Tom Hanks talking to uh, pop psychologist, Dr. Fraser Lady. And, and Meg Ryan listening to it. In the car. And Meg Ryan is slowly kind of, you know, the, clearly the psychologist is, a, is pushing a bit too hard on this kind of stuff. Tom Hanks doesn't really want to talk about it at first. Well, yeah, no fucking shit. Uh, doesn't want to be on national radio talking about it. Christmas Eve and his wife Christmas Eve and his wife said, he's like, yeah, don't really want to talk, talk about it on national oh. fucking radio, you weirdo. And, but he, but he does. And he starts yeah, talking about he it. opens up and, and his son, says, There's a really lovely bit where, effectively, he's on one line because this is back in the early 90s. They have a load of landlines in the house. His son's on one landline and his son's on the other landline. They're kind of, they're almost having this conversation to each other, but through this kind of weird intermediary thing, and, it, and it's really lovely. And the dad's kind of explaining like how much he loves, you know, the, the fact that they, he thinks they're okay, right? Like it's tough, but they're okay. They're getting through it together. He really loves his kids. Um, and then you know, the psychologist says, "Let's talk about your wife." And he's like, "She was my, she was my Everything, world." Like yeah. I knew from the first moment, like we we touched, like I knew she was going to be my whole life. It was like magic. And you kind of see Meg Ryan across the other side of the America. You know, he's on the West Coast, she's on the East Coast. And she's sort of falling in love with him across the phone. Or at least, like, the sound of love with him across the phone, right? She stops off briefly at a diner. Uh, Meg Ryan and diners, always a great comment. <laughs> uh, great for success. Uh, the two ladies working at the diner are also, also listening to, to it. We're um, getting a sense that this is going um, all across at, America. At this point... Yeah. Uh, we ha- he has been given a, a moniker. He's uh, obviously yeah. called Sa- Sam? 
Sam. Sam. Yeah. Sam. Uh, but in order to not give away his full identity, and as they often do in these sort yeah. of things, they give a, a nickname. Yeah, Sleepless in Seattle. And it's called Sleepless in Seattle, yeah. because he's sleepless, Because he's not and he's also now. in Seattle. Um, um, and so they're talking about Sleepless in Seattle in this diner. Now, at this point, I would like to say how fucking weird this is. That, like, fine, I get it. Like, the, 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 I get being, finding that sweet and sure. finding that moment, like, oh, listening to that is very heartfelt and it's very emotional to listen sure. to. The fact that we are supposed to believe, as is said by the Dino woman, like, they said, they say over the radio, oh, yeah, we've got a caller in who, who wants to meet Sam. And then the Dino woman goes, hey, get in line. The fact that this man, yeah. describing how much he loves his dead wife is supposed to make everyone else fucking horny in America is so fucking weird Al and it's this is a rom-com but this is not played for comedy no it's It's not not, it's it's it's, it's, no but it's not supposed to be sad he is he's sad the film is is sad the film deals a lot with grief it is a sad film that's fine I'm yeah I'm completely fine with that and they're dealing with that side of it fine the fact that everyone, all the women in America are horny for him because his wife's dead and he loved her yeah. is fucking creepy and I, insane. Here's my thing. And this like, starts a journey of, I will come back to how sure, fucking sure. creepy and insane this entire here's, movie is. Here's my thing. I think, A, it's a, uh, I think what, what attracts women to him in this film is, and they can, they do talk about it later on in the film, is that he is emotionally vulnerable. Like, it's a time they can sort of talk about it. He mentions the last time he dated was the nineteen seventies. Now the nineteen nineties, and a couple of scenes where they talk about the kind of advent of like a third wave feminism, yeah, and stuff. But it's the fact that this guy can talk about his love, his actual love for his wife, in such you know wonderful, like lovely terms. And you, I, I, I agree that in in the so, abstract, there's a lot of elements of this film which are. Which which could go creepy, could go whatever, and I think it's the it's the charm of the leads, it's the the quality of the direction. I think which yeah, which like Tom, Tom, I'll give him his due. Well, firstly, I would say, in looks wise, yeah. Tom Hanks is not looking his most fuckable. No, he's he's like reached, guy, yeah, well, yeah, but <laughs> I'm not saying he looks sad and therefore he's not fuckable. I'm saying his genuine general aesthetic. We've seen sure. him be heartthrobs in the past, and as I've said, there are some films where I'm like, I'd fuck the shit out of Tom yeah. Hanks in this film. I would not fuck the shit out of Tom Hanks in this film. He's grown a bit of a weird barnet. He's getting a little bit older. He's not looking the heartthrob he normally is. Anyway. Um, normally, like that's the past, Jamie. Forget that. Yes, yes, We're he's gone. Nineteen nineties, Hanks. Welcome to the age of Dad Hanks. Yes, Dad Hanks. Anyway, so um, Wait, no, the other. Right. I would like to create sure, a metaphor sure. for okay. you. Ooh, say, let me close my eyes. Say you say, uh, you know, what, I'll make it specific for you because okay. that would be weird. Mm. Say you were on your first date with Alyssa. Okay, and she spends ten minutes really deeply describing how in love she was with her previous boyfriend, would you sit there and go, oh, you know what? I love that this person can talk about their emotions. I want to fuck them. Or would you go, you know what? Weird. I don't want it. No. Like, it's great for you. Congratulations. But no, this isn't, this isn't getting my pussy wet. Nope. (laughs) I found out way too much about your genitals today, Jamie. No shame. Um, 
But you see what I mean. Well, no, so, no, no, like, let me let me give you a, a comparable converse thing. Okay. Which is, uh, you know, in Friends. Yes. Joey's story, which guarantees that he's going to get laid, which is the kind of story like he's hiking in like yes. he's hiking in North Africa or whatever Europe. He's by the mountains. He sees this naked lady and all this kind of stuff. And it's like this sad. It's this kind of mournful story, which he guarantees is going to get him laid. Yeah. And um, it. In that, he's meant to have sex with that lady, right? Like, they're, like he, she's crying, but she's naked and, like, all this kind of stuff. And, like, that's also weird in context, but it's the, it's the tenderness of it. <laughs> and the second thing is, they're not on a date. It's, like, the first time... But it, the first time you heard of someone was them talking to someone else about how much they once loved. And so, again, again it's that. It, it's, he's not... He has, a first, he has a first date in this film, right? He doesn't go on about his dead wife. It's the uh, fact that, like... The fact that in seeing this person in isolation, that they can be emotionally vulnerable, it is weird that all these women send letters to him. Sure. Yes, yeah. But they it's, also want to, like, some of them might not want to fuck him. Some of them might want to comfort him, right? Like, it's... No, they want to come for him. Okay. <laughs> they right. don't want to comfort anyway, him. so all of... As we kind of alluded to, let's, let's carry on with the film. Yeah, because <laughs> I can literally yeah, do this for us. As we've alluded to, uh, all of America hears about this, Annie hears about this, um, and they fall very quickly in love with this yes. guy. Uh, it's all over the news. Uh, we kind of cut to Annie. Uh, her friends have talked. They're talking about this. They also talk about uh, this, this kind of line shows up in a couple places in the film um, that it's harder for women over forty. There is more likely for women over forty to be killed by a terrorist than it is for them to get married. Um, <laughs> which and this shows up in this, and this nice little bit. Nora Ephron talks about it in an interview I read for the, uh, to get prepared for this, where she talks about how the kind of the sort of subtext of this is about America as this kind of like America as a village yeah like it feels like this big massive nation but actually because of planes nowadays it's a lot easier to get across the country the kind of geographic divides that Tom Hanks all the way through goes he goes like Baltimore uh, so Baltimore and then you know Seattle other sides of the coast impossible to make it happen and yet because of planes they kind of get across quite easily and also the way this is just a big advert for planes pretty much <laughs> and the way like um, the statistics so I think later on uh, in a conversation back in Seattle they, they, the same stat gets thrown up again they're having these same conversations even though they're geographically very far yeah um, and you know sort of the, they're continuing uh, Annie and, uh, and her uh, Walter decides to go to um, New York for Valentine's Day they're going to spend Valentine's mm-hmm. Day together because he has to go uh, travelling for work for a bit yep uh, Annie also now. has her editor and yeah. best friend who's played Rosie by Rosie O'Donnell, O'Donnell. again we've seen, we've seen her in uh, twice in a row. row yeah twice yeah, yeah, yeah twice in a row um uh, he's great and oh, playing, she's really funny she's, she's quite she's quite funny and like as much as I occasionally uh, have issues with stand-up comedians who think they can act she's she's decent she's not, she, yeah. and, and she's playing while she's a funny role a more dramatic role uh, in this yeah. uh, than she definitely was in yeah. uh, League of Their Own and she holds her own she does yeah. well uh, she, she, I think what how, I think the reason why she's quite good in the last couple of films because I like her in the other films as well League of Their Own I think she's very well cast I think they yeah. know what they want from that comedic character yeah or stand-up comedian, and they get it, they get it very well. The yeah, good. Anyway, um, at this and point, yeah, she's uh, she's yeah. confiding in uh, in Rosie O'Donnell sure. about you know like concerns right. and about sleepers in Seattle and uh, back in uh, Seattle. Yeah, so that kind of happens, and she you know, they all, they have this conversation, and Annie sort of lets out that she has a bit of a crush on on sleepers in Seattle. Right. Yeah. We cut back across to Seattle. Uh, Tom Hanks is uh, the architect for a house. They kind of go around. 
The owner of the house is like, oh, you're so emotionally vulnerable. I don't know what went through this voice. You're so emotionally vulnerable. I love, you know, you're just, um, oh, oh, we heard it. I told my whole family to put it on. I loved it so much. It was so beautiful. And all the guys are making fun of him. Yeah. Um, because they're like, oh, you're emotionally <laughs> Oh, my, oh, oh, you're untouching your feelings. Uh, let me tell you about a thing called toxic masculinity. Yeah, yeah. The, the other men in this film make it more clear why, uh, why a man attractive. saying he's sad yeah. immediately makes women's fancy yes. drop because the standard of men in the it's, 90s it's is awful. Yeah. I mean, the standard of men in 2019 is only okay. <laughs> and being a man in 2019, I'm bringing that average down. But <laughs> um, so the, the, at that point, uh, a couple of his friends say, look, you, you need to keep dating. All the way through, we have kind of we have heard um, this kind of friend that he needs to keep dating again. He's not really ready, but he, he sort of wants to get out there. He gets a load of mail. So, yep. uh, yeah, and... Uh, Jonah, Jonah, Jonah. Uh, and his his playmate. He has a little little, little friend, friend, little girl, um, oh yeah. uh, who he goes to for advice, much like Meg Ryan goes to for advice. Sure. And he's trying to get her to help him how he's going to get his dad yeah. to go on a date. How he's going to. There's a great line where Tom Hanks comes in the house and he can't yeah. find her, and he goes up to his room and they can swim around, and it's Jonah and uh, Jonah's wee friend uh, on the chair. And they're listening to the Beatles. And he's like, "How you doing, Dad? This is my friend." And he's like. You know, it, uh, if you play it backwards, it says Paul is dead. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I know. And the kid's like, how do you know? And he was like, well, because I was alive at the time. <laughs> uh, and then at the end of that scene, in a weird implication, but is quite funny, <laughs> Tom Hanks goes to leave and Joni goes, hey, dad, <laughs> close, close the door. <laughs> in a suggestion that these kids are going to fuck. Right. Uh, and so he closes the door sure. and then... Slowly opens I mean, it, it again. It's hard to talk about it in terms of specific scenes because they do happen, but it's, they're kind of dotted through without. Uh, probably one of the strongest, but if not the strongest in this entire movie, is the relationship between Tom Hanks and his son. Yes, yeah, yeah. And this is the, it is really the backbone, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's a rom-com, but really it's a film about learning to deal with grief and yeah. like love afterwards. And uh, something I found interesting was um, uh, Tom Hanks kind of pushed back on Aura quite a bit because he was like, look, the, when he kind of was reading the script, he was like, the way it's written the love between the dad and the, the boy, the relationship is quite maternal. It's very protective, I think. So he's like, we need to change it. And that's why you get all these great scenes of like, um, there's one where the famous one, they're brushing their teeth over the sinks. Yeah. And he's like, and the kid goes, so one day you're going to get married. Does that mean you're going to have sex? And uh, Tom Hanks is like, yeah, hopefully many times. Like, yes. <laughs> um, the, the comedy in this film hits well. It yeah, does like... And the relationship is... Yeah. You know, they have all these, they have a lot of arguments. There are yeah. a lot of like actual, would be quite dad and son arguments, which, yeah. which are kind of... And not they're not pretty. They are you know they, they yeah. are they are two people learning to kind of one be the sole caretaker and one be the sole person. Yeah, after. Uh, and they start to get a little bit more contentious with each other when he starts to date oh. uh, a woman called Jessica. I want to say Jennifer, something like that. Whatever. The main thing about this woman, she has an annoying laugh. Oh yeah, that's her she, entire personality. That, that's that's the entire personification we get of her. She has an annoying laugh, and therefore Jonah dislikes her. Yeah. And not only does Jonah dislike her, he's also received a letter mm-hmm. over in over oh. in Baltimore. 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 Um, Meg Ryan, despite the fact she is engaged, yeah. has decided to write a letter to Sleepless in Seattle with uh, the help and advice of Rosie O'Donnell. Sending a letter across, being like, "Hey, hey, I think what's you, up? What's do you, up? Do you want to meet up? Let's. You're, let's, you're cute. Yeah. What, what's up, baby? Hey. What's up, baby doll? Yeah." Something along those lines. Yeah. And Jonas received this. She mentions some baseball team she in San Francisco, says, like, the, the San Francisco Orioles. Uh, yeah, I think so. She, she basically met, says, like, 
this one ball player, like the, the important thing is, before you go any further in this letter, this one ball player is the best ball player in the entire the, the game ever played. And if you don't agree with that, don't bother reading anymore because I don't want to be with you. Yeah. Um, and, but and, that they agree. And, uh, yeah. And Jonah's like, look, she likes that yeah, as well. Yeah. That's great. Look. It's a sign. And, it's, it's a, a sign. sign. You, look, we got, you, why don't you, she says she's going to be, she says she's going to be in New York. Why don't you go meet her at the Empire State Building? Sure. And so at this point, He's like, no. Nope. This is when he pulls out, pulls down a map and goes, yeah. Baltimore, one side of the country. Yeah. Seattle on the other country. Couldn't be done. Yeah. So, so Jonah, he's a little, he's a little sneaky sneak. Him and his, him and his a, little playmate. A little shit. He's a little shit. Him and his little playmate write back. They do. Now, I would like to make a point about this. So uh, they write back and say, meet us at uh, New Year's Eve at the Empire State Building on the observation deck. I know. I doesn't. Does she write that or does he write that? He, Jonah writes that. Okay. Jonah writes that, writes her across saying, meet me there. And then he's like, okay, I'll just find a way to get sure. my dad there. This is a six or seven year old child. Yeah. Have you ever seen the handwriting of a six or seven year old child? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is fucking awful. Yeah. So Meg Ryan receives this letter very clearly written by a child and goes... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to assume this is an adult, and if it's an well, adult, no. he's. Oh. There is there is a joke which they do make where like she's reading the letter. So uh, there are a couple scenes beforehand with Annie where Annie's you know like she goes in the uh, she goes in the closet to talk to her mate about it or something about it. You know yeah. they're listening to the kind of rerun of the thing, and then she kind of reads through the um, the letter which which Jonah sent across to her, and she was like, "Look, we're clearly not meant to be together. Listen to this," and she reads that and is like, "Do you want to meet me on the Empire State <laughs> Building at five p.m.? Thank you very much." And, and the, to which um, Rosie O'Donnell's like, "Look." Writing comprehension doesn't mean everything in a man. <laughs> I've learned that you don't want a good writer. Yeah, which is which is funny. So they kind of they do they do make fun of least of the writing yeah. quality. Um, um, again, the comedy lands well in this film. Yeah, sure. So they uh, go uh, at this point things. So yeah, Tom Hanks goes on the date with this girl. Let's call her Valerie, whatever, um, whatever. They're, they're, they're the dating. other lady. They are dating. They are dating, and um, you know she seems nice. Uh, his brother and his sister and her husband come over. They have the scene where she talks about. Um, they also talk about an affair to remember, which ends with I think someone up in the Empire State Building uh, yep. reuniting. This work that's kind of drawn from. She starts crying. She kind of gets very caught up in it. It's yes. kind of that scene. Uh, funny scene to which um, Tom Hanks and like her husband are like, oh, you know, I have that with, with the Dirty Dozen, <laughs> where you know, he throws these grenades down and the two are sitting on the top. That's entirely improvised, which I like. Is it? Yes, oh, that's fun. fun. That's very, very um, fun. Yeah. Again, works very, very yeah, well, yeah. plays well. So Jonah hates, uh, doesn't hate, but like he's kind of like a like, new woman. He hates this one. There are multiple scenes of them bad, talking yeah. and like reaction shots of Jonah being like passive aggressive or like rolling his eyes yeah, yeah. at this woman. She it's knows, very funny. She knows he doesn't like her yeah. and it, it, it's, you know, there's a lot of tension and he's like, look, there's a scene where she goes off on a plane and he, uh, Tom Hanks tries to explain to her son and he's like, look, you know, I don't, she does this thing with her hair and I don't know why she does that. But that's why you date someone so you can find out about it. I don't know. I don't think I probably won't even marry her. But like, I need to be allowed to date. You don't have to be worried about this. And again, in a really lovely scene. Um, oh fuck! Wait, we have completely missed over when Meg Ryan flies I, to fucking Seattle. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. So I think I think that happens before. No, because it's at, it's at that scene. So it's, that's the scene where this yes. happens. So beforehand, Meg Ryan's been like, I need to go meet him. I know we're, uh, before I go to New York to see him, Walter, I need to get out of my head. I need to go see him. Uh, we'll, we'll say it's for the report all these women sending across these letters we'll say it's that and I'll just go try and find yeah. them she phones up she sends a, a private eye to kind of uh, get some photos of them and get some photos of them finds out about them yeah 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 you're brushing over this Al yeah 
She hires a private fucking investigator to stalk this man sure. so that she can more effectively stalk this man. We'll talk, we'll talk about that then. Um, <laughs> I, again, I, I, your, your criticisms are criticisms of, uh, uh, to be fair, criticisms of like rom-coms as a subgenre, and I will, I will, okay. I will discuss this at the end. Okay. Point them out when you want to, but I will discuss this at the end. Um, so, so she, yeah, hires a private investigator and then sure, flies, flies to across. Seattle. And then again, if you've not seen this, you should look it up afterwards. There's a very funny cut. Uh, I think it's either recut. Yeah, a cut of um, Sleeps in Seattle where they make it a horror film. And it's basically just a sequence of like, horror, mo- uh, horror yes. movie played under. They're at the airport, to be fair, Tom Hanks, they're kind of, uh, Tom Hanks is explaining to his son, like, hey, sometimes you date people. It doesn't have to be forever. Early in the films, he's described things like... Um, uh, Jonah has this nightmare early in the film and he wherein he, he's like you know I think I'm forgetting my mum I think I'm forgetting mum and he's uh, Tom Hanks kind of explains something about it and he says she did this great thing where she kind of would peel the apple off in one perfect peel yeah and at the same time as this is happening we cut across to the other side of the world uh, to um uh, to Meg Ryan who also does the same thing and kind of subconsciously she's not even really thinking about it and they don't know this obviously they're, they're different sides of the country but all these little details are kind of saying maybe and but at the airport he explains to his son oh you know I'm not going to marry Valerie whatever we were just dating it's fine like, I just want to get laid <laughs> uh, which, which is the son. I'm just trying to fuck Jonah leave me alone yeah. to answer so the anyway, question does anyway, Tom Hanks fuck in this film oh. despite being a widow a film about a widow yes Tom Hanks fucks in so, this film anyway so he um he, but at this point, as he's, he's like, look, it's not, it's not like you just see someone, or, or uh, you know, and it's, it's, it's just happens instantaneously. Yeah. And as he says that, Meg Ryan comes through the airport, and he sees her, and he's, he's like halfway through that line, and he's just like, whoa, Meg Ryan. And you know what? Fair, Meg Ryan. Um, and again, he has a girlfriend at this point, but he is like Meg Ryan. So she starts walking off, not realizing it's him. Yeah. He then starts following her, being like, who is this amazingly beautiful girl? At the same time, Jonah's like, I think you and Annie. This, girl, this woman I want you to be with. I think you were soulmates in another life. I think that uh, you were you were two people in love, but you never your love never got to be unionized. That you never never consummated. So uh, we, me and my my little girlfriend, we think it's meant to be that. And because I'm a small child, I'm more in tune to the spiritual nature of the universe. <laughs> uh, and he's like, what are you what are you talking about? They lose Meg Ryan, right? Yeah. They lose her. She's gone. So at this point, it does they proceed into the horror sequence, which is uh, her he, turning up. At his, his house. house. But he's on a boat going... Yeah. He's out so she on a boat. drives and follows him along, along the, the river, finds where he docks... Yeah, but and, Valerie's and there. <laughs> but they meet up with Valerie. No, not yeah. yet. No. Yeah, not yet. What happens... And uh, we've got the sequence of her watching him play with his child. Yes, and then... Um, and what I will say... Sure. Fucking Tom Hanks got moves. Yeah. He's swinging this kid around. He's like, you, this could have been in WWE. He's halfway to a fucking hurricane here. Like he's flinging this kid, kid around. Sure. Um, and then they meet up with Valerie. Sure. And then they see. No, yeah. Then across the road, she's across the road watching. She is. He stood around. on the highway. Yeah. She takes a step out. Tom Hanks takes a step out. The the, the connection is there. It's powerful. It's some weird cosmic force pulling the two together. She almost gets run over by a car. He goes. Hello. Hello. We cut away. Yes. And then we find out they're that back all, in Baltimore. Yeah, and then, they're back in Baltimore. And she's, we find talking out to, she, she's talking to her mate. Her mate's like, look, what happened? She's like, I went home. It was crazy. It's really weird. I was like a crazy lady. Yeah. What did I do? <laughs> that was weird. Yeah. yeah. So again, 
she stalked this man yeah. with his child, followed him across the city, sure. but then went but then, to his but, house but despite left. not knowing sure, this sure. person. And she's like, because she hired a private investigator sure. to find out where he lives yeah. and what he looks she's like. She's like, look, I'm gonna uh, gonna go with water. I'm gonna be with water. I'm gonna be with water. Water's great. I love water. Water's not boring. Yeah. Water's dependable. What's wrong with being dependable? I love that. I love a water in a man. And uh, just a brief uh, chat about water. Walter, and I'm not sure it's the first time this has happened, but normally the archetype is the other boyfriend is a dick. Yeah. And this this feels like, I might be wrong, almost the inverse of that, and maybe the origin of the inverse of that, which in which the, the original boyfriend is not a dick. He's a nice guy, yeah. but he's not the right guy. Yeah. And you, you know this all the way through, like he's just, you know, they're they he's not together, she's making all these jokes. Uh, we should mention uh, Walter played by Bill Pullman, who plays the president in Independence Day, is where most people will know him from, yes. uh, in a very different role than yes. he normally plays. He didn't realise uh, this is the role he's going to play. Apparently he thought it was going to be more like, I think it's a Philadelphia story, or basically like a kind of uh, like a three-way uh, like triangle kind of thing. Ah. Love triangle. Not a three-way. <laughs> no, it's uh, not a three-way, yes. but yes, I love triangle. And then he's going to go in the film and he was like, oh wait, I'm something a dope who gets dumped. Yeah. Um, spoilers. So anyway, so they go... <laughs> So oh, if you didn't figure out oh, where this film oh. was going, maybe Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan are going to end up together. The end of this film isn't Meg Ryan going off with Walter for the rest <laughs> of his fucking life. So anyway, uh, she she heads off to New York. Um, back in uh, Seattle, um, we're probably going to have some stuff, but it's fine, whatever. Um, Tom Hanks is going to go off on a holiday, uh, you know, a romantic break on Valentine's Day with Valerie, with with his kind of the other woman. Um, the kid very pissed off about this. He hears about this. He's like, "What I got to do is I got to get flights across to New yes, York." Yes, and his his little playmate. So they figure out how much money they have. They, it's it, like they've got uh, they've got like one hundred twenty dollars, and like that can cover cabs. How am I going to get the flight? Yeah. Now this film, we should have mentioned it earlier, has a very weird representation of computers. Oh yeah. Now if you've ever seen like a really oh, old timey computer yeah. where it's just like green text, you yeah. type in green text yeah. into a black screen. Who knows what is actually happening? So earlier, yeah. she does that for finding Tom Hanks. She's just yes. like she find. The, Sa- she just yeah. typed into a computer, find Sam. Yeah, loads of shit comes up. Find Sam Seattle, and it like comes up with loads, and then find um, Samuel Seattle, and Sam it has like Jonah, yeah. a, again a couple of good jokes. Like one is yeah. like Samuel in prison, yeah. in prison for it's like, murder. It's like in prison, like um, you know, uh, bankrupt. Uh, yeah, and then and architect. Then architect. Just like, right, it's probably the architect. Um, but <laughs> then. Computer whiz playmates girl yeah. just starts typing well, out no, a plane you're, ticket. You're, no, you're skipping the best thing. So the mum runs a travel agency, and the mum's like, "I've got to pop out to this six-year-old kid who is explicitly six, no eight, so they're eight years old." Yeah. Um, so this eight-year-old kid, and she's like, "Can you mind the front of the store?" And I love that. Apparently, in the nineteen like nineties. It was fine to leave an eight-year-old in charge <laughs> of your business yeah. when it's like a travel agency. So she's, she, I think what she's doing, she's booking him a ticket. Oh, okay. I did agency. not clock yeah. that. They weren't like faking a I, I thought she Again, was faking a like ticket. Like the letter, they were like, this ticket allows Jonah to go to New York yes. for free. Yeah, and like they say, oh, so you, I'm going to say you're, you're over 12. 12. And he's like, no, it's going to really I'm over 12. I'll put in the notes that he's really, a really <laughs> short 12-year-old and don't feels embarrassed about this. I don't ask. Him. Oh, very, very it's, it's fucking good, funny. And he's it's like, very do you prefer funny. that? And he's like, yeah. Yes. So, so Jonah, at this point, Tom Hanks goes home. He's about, he's got the babysitter downstairs. He's like, Jonah, we need to go. They've had an argument where he's like, I need to, there's a really great argument earlier where he kind of, he's like, I need to get laid. And he's like, you know, I, I only had six, like six, seven girls in college. And Jonah, like Jonah, he turns around, Jonah's there. He's like, how long were you there for? What did you hear? And he's like, six or seven girls in college. And he's like, eight, eight girls in college. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So Jonah runs off. Jonah goes to Neil. Gets on the plane. Yes, just gets He's on the plane. Again, leave, about to leave her with a babysitter for like two days. Yeah. Um, the babysitter really uninterested. Doesn't really care. Um, he, he's like, look, I need to say goodbye. Jonah, come on, come on, goodbye. Realizes his son's run off. They go to interrogate the, the wee girl. She's just like... Yes. Yeah, on the way to fucking New York, man. Yeah, like, New York. What are you talking about? I just bought my ticket for New York. It's fine. I like this dude. You know, you um, got a special so Tom, Tom Hanks flies to New York and yeah. we get to ba- basically the denouement of this gonna, film. Yes. We have Walter off in the Chrysler building with Annie. Yes, Walter and Annie in the Chrysler building, which, uh, no, it's not in the Chrysler building. It's in it's uh, 30, 30 Rockefeller Center. Is it? Yes, it's 30 Rock. It's not um, the Chrysler building. No, it's 30 Because Rock. we get the shot of the, the Chrysler building, the Empire State, and the kind of the two things. It's def- when she leaves, it's definitely 30 Rock. Okay. She comes out and sure. it says 30 Rock. And I know you can see... I don't know my New York geography very well, yes, but I know you can. can see the Empire State Building from 30 Rock. Um, so she's up uh, 30 Rock, um, and uh, you can see the Empire State Building from there. And in the Empire State Building are Jonah and Tom Hanks. Sure. Tom Hanks finally finds well, him yes. yeah, 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 yeah. at the top. Yeah. They're on the observation deck. Uh, what I will say about Jonah is he is looking fly as fuck. He has a colour coordinated outfit oh, with right. reds and yeah, yellows yeah. and blues. And it's cute as fuck. Jonah's, get, Jonah's there for the entire day. He's going around asking everyone, are you Annie? Are you Annie? Are yes. you Annie? And kind of uh, opposite, you are right. It is the Rainbow Room. It isn't the Rockefeller. I really Thank I do apologise. I was um, correct. You were correct. Now, and, uh, as we get yes. to this denouement, sure. um, I do have a friend's fault. Sure. Of course. Sorry, that was not. I did not do. So yeah, Jamie. So you're Jamie. French Fort. French Fort. Sorry for anyone who uh, is new to French Fort. For if you listen to this show, you are our friend. If you send in a shirt yeah. and thought about yeah. uh, the show or about yeah. anything we're going to discuss, yeah. you will get onto French Fort. Also, and when you say French Fort, you, you must do horizontal yeah. dabbing, as yeah. we've always described. Double it. dab. Double dab. One. Dab on the friends. Dab on, on the, the fort. And horizontally, you- and you get. French Fort! Also, importantly, you listening, when you hear us go, French Fort! You must also French Fort. Yes, I don't care if you are driving, I don't care if you are in public, I don't care if there is someone to the next of you who you're going to hit in the face with your double dab. Explain to them about the podcast afterwards. Yes. Um, And this is our first ever audio (laughs) French Fort. Our good friend, uh, Mr. Bennett Bonsey. Oh, Bonsey in Seattle. Yes, lives in Seattle. Does he sleep? Uh, Well... We will listen in to our dear friend, uh, Bennett. Let's hope this is loud enough and this works. Thanks, Jamie. As someone who is both in Seattle and awake, I'm uniquely qualified to discuss this film. To Seattle, Sleepless has been both a blessing and a curse. A blessing in that it turned our our houseboats, which essentially apartments, but with constant water damage and without real plumbing, into the height of fashion. It's a curse in that it has dismissed our fair city, home to Boeing, Amazon, Microsoft, Starbucks, and more, as one without any suitably tall buildings. Why else would they abandon the city at the climax for a samey view of New York? (laughs) We have buildings, Jamie. The Space Needle, the Columbia Tower, and the Smith Tower, which was once the tallest building west of the Mississippi. You heard that right. People actually kept records of things west of the Mississippi in real life. So where's the respect, Tom? Back to you, Jamie. <laughs> so firstly, I don't know why he treated it like a news report where he was throwing between me and Bennett. But thank you very much, Bennett, for your thoughts. Uh, yeah. We do apologise that this film does abandon Seattle yeah, yeah, yeah. and its tall buildings for the tall buildings of New York. Why? Why? Because it's in uh, an evening to remember. 
It's in that yeah, yeah, yeah. Why yeah. did you do that? Because it references Cary Grant film and it's a romantic place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he did admit here, despite being uh, awake and in Seattle, he has never seen this film. Yes, no. <laughs> I did say, do you want to watch it? some things, and he's like, eh, I might watch no. it. <laughs> so he did not watch it, but he did give his annoyance uh, sure. at them going to New York. But yes, they are in New York, once in the Empire sure. State Building. Once They're on the observation deck. He finally catches up to Jonah, and he's like, look, you can't run away like that. What the fuck, man? This fucking it's, shitty. He has, he has this great. It's this kind of actually I might even see if I can find the quote because it's really lovely um, okay while you're doing that I'll describe what's going on with Meg Ryan and Walter so Meg Ryan she looks across at the Empire State Building and uh, oh in a moment of prophecy there is a big heart on the Empire State Building um, and so she says to Walter like look I don't love you I'm sorry you know, I, there's this guy, Sleepless in Seattle, and, like, I kind of... She's she's a really shitty person. She's a really bad... She sits there with her fiancé and is just like, ah, well, obviously, break up with your fiancé, whatever. But, like, just sit there and go, yeah, there's this guy I've never met who's kind of in that building over there, and I kind of want to go do that instead. And Walter, being the nicest human ever, is just like, you know what? I love you, but that doesn't matter right now because... I don't. I don't want to be someone's second choice. I don't. I don't want to be someone you're settling for. I don't want to be. I don't want that. So you know what? You know. You you go do you. You you do you, boo boo. And he lets her go because he's great, Walter. He's the best man in this film. Everyone. Everyone should listen to Walter on the radio and gone. Got fucking horny for him instead instead of fucking Tom Hanks. Hey. Stupid sad man. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So that's what happens. And Meg Ryan heads over to um the Empire State Building. Alexander is taking far too long to find Sorry. this quote. Apparently, other people don't agree. It's a great <laughs> one of the best lines in the film. Effectively, what he says is like, "You're all I have. You are like, you're my son. I, your mum died. I love you so much. What if you got hurt? What if you got hurt? You all I have." And it's lovely. And he kind of like he falls to his knees to hug his son, and his son's like three foot, two foot, whatever. And they're just kind of hugging, and like, oh man, look, if I don't, if look, I don't, Al, but don't. He's fall. already established. That he is a very short twelve-year-old, and he's embarrassed about that fact. And you should not be saying, "Oh, he's three foot, two foot." <laughs> yeah, he's just twelve years old. And small. Yeah. Um, but no, look. So it's you know that's. God, oh my heart! And Annie's getting across. She's stuck in traffic. She's trying to get away out to there. She doesn't really believe it. Um, she goes to the front desk. She's like, "Look, I got you know, I gotta, I gotta get up there." She goes to the front desk of the Empire State Building. Look, he's like, "Sorry." That final, final party. Have you never seen the night to remember, an evening to remember? She's like, look, I don't even know if he's there, but I just need to know because if I don't, I'll I'll always regret it. He's like, night to remember. Yeah, my wife loves that. Yeah, it would have been better if you know, just for the message of the film, we've went. That's my favorite film rather than one man likes this film rather than that's my wife's favorite film. This is great. There's a great uh, quote by uh, Nora. Again, really good Rolling Stone article. If you want to, which came out just before this film did, and it's worth a read if you're interested in more about it where they're going to talk about it. And she kind of goes, oh, it's a terrible film. It's a, it's a bad film, like, to remember. But the last 20 minutes, those don't make you cry or ridiculous amount. <laughs> I don't know what will. Yeah. Which I quite love. Um, and so, just as uh, Tom Hanks and Jonah well, are getting the last elevator down. down, she gets up. She gets up. And they're not there. And they're not there. She's she looks around. To... She talks what... to the... Uh, the guy's like, she's like, can I have a moment? The guy's like, sure. And then what does she see? A backpack. A ball of backpack. Yeah, a blue red and yellow backpack that's yeah. looking fly as fuck and again in a this woman is fucking crazy and weird move she finds a backpack and instead of going I should return this to the front desk she goes I should open this and see what's inside 
she's crazy. She's an insane woman. But that's what she does. She opens it. She gets she gets a little bear. A little bear, like the Berenstein bears. Um, Oh, then like like Nora Ephron's ex-husband. Yes. The Berenstein bear. Like the bear sold water. And uh, just as she's pulling out that, up comes Tom Hanks and Jonah looking for their backpack. And then they see each other. Hey, hey, I, I think I you must be Sam and oh you must be Jonah you, you, yeah, you, you, you want your backpack back and then then they hold hands mm. and then they walk back to the elevator and they go down and they go down and that's the end of the film film ends in a meeting yeah. um, so that's Sleepless in Seattle that is Sleepless in Seattle let's, let's talk about our feelings on it I have no clue how to feel about this film okay yeah. I really I, 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 I've been I watched this last night and I've been really racking my brain about it because I will say, the romance of this film does not hit for me at okay, all. Sure. Throughout the entire film, it is creepy and weird. All of her actions are very strange. I, I find it weird that the film tries to play the, oh, romance isn't like in the movies card, while still portraying a very unrealistic representation of romance throughout the film. Her obsession with him is creepy. The reaction to him on the phone I don't think makes much sense. The fact that everyone gets horny for this widowed man is weird. I find all of that very weird and very creepy. Having said that, there are two provisos to that. Sure. I was very entertained watching it and making fun of that. We have established this before, like you can very much get enjoyment making fun of something that you don't like about a film. It's why He Knows You're Alone is in your film. So I watched this with uh, my new flatmate. We had a few beers. I very much enjoyed watching, making fun of that. And my other proviso to the romantic element, and I'll touch on the comedic element today. My other proviso to that is I fucking hate how good the ending is. Oh, it's a, It it's, really annoys me because I was so ready to be very angry that yeah. they were going to kiss and it was going to be a big dramatic yeah. moment, but it's not. And they understate it and they play yeah. it sweet so, and subtle and it's just like, oh, this is a meeting of two people who think they might like each other. Yeah. That's really sweet. That's, and so I hate how well they, they stick the landing because what it is, and this is it, it's watching a gymnast... And they've just been falling over the floor. They've tripped over their ankles. They've tried to do a backflip and smacked their head. But God damn it, if they don't do a nice little forward roll and then stand up to attention with their hands in the air in the most graceful pose you have ever seen, sure. they stick the landing. Yeah. And that's why I don't know how to feel about this film. So, because I think the representation of romance through it is shit and creepy and weird, but I still enjoy making fun of it. And then the landing is stuck. On top of that, the comedy is very good. I laughed very heartily at this yeah. film, much more than I have at other rom-coms. I think the comedy and the, the dramatic aspects, the, sure. the representation of, of Tom Hanks and the child is a very sweet, very wholesome. The chemistry of those two actors is very well. I also really i think it's an interestingly shot film i think it doesn't get in the way of um of the film but it still allows for some more interesting shots than we see in other things like even that first shot isn't there's a few uh long takes in this film that work very well the first shot on the graveyard is a long take it allows you to take in that moment when um she when meg ryan comes back from seattle and is freaking out we have like a panning shot and a long take of her frantically walking around the house back and forth trying to um 
say no Walter's fine you know it's fine I, I like Walter Walter's great and in that moment allowing that shot to be longer and the camera being frenetic in following her the camera is an active character in that scene that allows the scene to grow and portrays the emotions of the character through the cinematography which I think is very good so there are lots of things to like about this film but I don't know how to feel about the romantic element of it sure is my thought so two things um and these are both nicked from one writer, so I want to give this credit now, and I want you to go read the article, right? If you do anything from this, please go read this series. It's on the AB Club. It's a series of essays called When Romance Met Comedy. Basically, each week they look at a different uh, rom-com, right? And they analyze it throughout kind of rom-com history. Um, this is from an article. The first article on this, it kind of sets out her kind of thesis of why she's doing this. Uh, and I'll, I'll read it out. There's also, uh, I'll, I'll refer to her in her assessment of sleep title too. As a lifelong lover of the much-aligned romantic comedy. I've always found it funny when people dismiss the genre as being too unrealistic. Those detractors aren't necessarily wrong, they're just mistaking a feature for a bug. Rom-coms aren't aiming for realism and failing, they're purposefully utilising a heightened tone to tell fantastical stories about the relatable concept of falling in love. Rom-coms are to romance what James Bond films are to spies, uh, both offering exhilarating escapism to an audience that isn't necessarily looking to be reminded of the realities of love, uh, life, love or physics. That said, if the term rom-com immediately conjures up images of klutzy women having contrived meet-cutes that lead to formulaic, formulaic happily ever afters, you've la- you ha- largely have the 1990s and early 2000s to thank for that. Um, the romantic comedies of the 1930s gave us fast-talking men and faster-talking women. The 50s and 60s turned romantic comedies into colourful musicals. The 80s sent its rom-coms back to high school. We're currently in an era that favours rom-coms with a more naturalistic, even slightly sombre tone. Movies like Obvious Child and The Big Sick. But the broader cultural concept of a rom-com was established in the genre's most recent heyday at the turn of the 21st century. The teen 1990s Pretty Woman, 2010's Valentine's Day. Oh my god, how long? <laughs> you read the entire article! Glossy big, uh, glossy big Budget Star Set of Rom-Coms Rule the Box Office. It was the age when Julia Roberts, Hugh Grant and Meg Ryan were being directed by John O'Jones, like Marshall, Nora Ephron, and Richard Curtis. Then she gave way to the likes of uh, blah blah blah. Whatever you're feeling towards rom-coms are, they were likely shaped by the release uh, of films during this period. Simpson Seattle, My Best Friend's Wedding, blah blah blah. Um, which is to say this. I understand why you probably want a more like naturalistic like representation of love. That's fine. As someone who deeply loves like rom coms, that that's not what I want in a rom com. Like I don't. So so the big the big sick is again. I will once again recommend to you watch because I think you will. Really I, well, like, I'm sorry. You will definitely like that. And I think that's what what you want from a rom com is something slightly more like that, right? And there are um, or or to compare it to something I think you would do like um, something like in Parks and Recreation, um, April and Andy's relationship. About the, how they they kind of fall in love is almost entirely unspoken for like six or seven episodes. Yeah, it just it just happens in the background. They don't talk about it romantically. It's just in a couple shots here and there, and that's what you want from rom com. That's fine. That said, for me and a lot of people, Seeps and Seattle is probably the pinnacle of it. Um, in her again, this read the series when romance about comedy. She talks about Seeps and Seattle for the twenty fifth anniversary, and she's right. Like it is creepy behavior. It's weird within the scope of rom coms. It's actually not the weirdest thing someone does. <laughs> Um, so like don't get me wrong yeah it, it is weird and creepy what what gets the, the film through is that Hanks and, and more specifically for that kind of section Meg Ryan are so charming they are so utterly yes. good at what they are doing that even though objectively it's a weird thing to do the film is trying to get you to build into this kind of idea of kismet and like it needs to get these characters close enough at that point before taking them back and the ch- the charm I would say the charm alone pulls it through like uh, you know I think the performances are really really good I think Tom Hanks gives a career high performance this is also the same year where we'll have Philadelphia come out which he gets an Oscar for and I think he's at the top of his game like he gives a really 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 good 
representation of someone who's dealing with grief yep. and trying to raise the son and also trying to fall in love. And, I, I, and I, it's a very different role from what we've seen from Tom Hanks so far. Yeah. Like, this is not... not normally, no, he, it's, normally he it's plays the person who is just the, the higher status, more happy, yeah. more on top. Sure. Obviously, with League of Their Own, he's playing a absolutely completely sure. broken, but even that broken character sure. feels more powerful and feels more... Yeah, yeah. We don't see him often be someone who is the lower status, broken down yeah, yeah. And, uh, character. And, and actually, that's probably what he goes on to end up being better. Right? Yes. And this is probably why you remember the films of Tom Hanks in the 90s more than his 80s films. Yes. Because this establishes the archetype you get from Hanks. I, I think he's just... So brilliantly fantastic in this film. It's really sad. The section uh, we didn't really talk about it, but where he's on the phone to the to the pop psychologist, and he comes, she says, "What are you going to do?" And he's like, "I'm going to get up. And I'm going to remember to breathe. And I'm going to remember to wash myself and shower. And like, hopefully, one day I won't have to remember that. And hopefully, one day I I won't remember how good my life used to be. And it's so heartbreaking. And it really works. And early Tom Hanks couldn't do this. It is it, no. like if he was doing this around the time of uh, Mazes and Monsters. <laughs> it's yeah. exactly what I was saying. <laughs> So I, I I get why there are bits of it which, as like someone who's not necessarily like deeply embedded in rom-coms, you're like, that's weird and that's fair enough. Um, I do have to say, though, and I want to just read this out before oh I Oh, my get... God. No, no, no. This is a letter from Alyssa. Oh, my God. I have not said whether I like this film or not yet. No, I know. But I just okay. want to let this inform you. Okay. You. I'll do it in my Alyssa voice. Dear Jamie, Seeps in Seattle is one of the most precious gems of a movie ever to grace our universe. <laughs> I am afraid that I really can't maintain any sort of friendship with someone who doesn't feel the same way. Anyone who fails to recognise the magic of every look between Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks in this movie is justifiably not welcome in our home. (laughs) Which, unfortunately, has serious replications for the Hanks Bank podcast. (laughs) I must insist that any ill will towards Seabus and Seattle be rescinded as my friendship is entirely conditional on admiration of this movie. P.S. Anyone who doesn't cry when Tom Hanks hugs his son on the top of the Empire State Building should officially be classified as a sociopath. (laughs) Much love, Alyssa. Okay, I have two reactions. (laughs) Firstly, we do know, Al, that if I were to say that I don't like this film, (laughs) we would have 14 weeks until Alyssa listens to it, in which we would have to record... Every episode of Hank's Bank. <laughs> Additionally, yeah. I would like to say to Alyssa from 14 weeks from now, yeah. you are a fucking coward. <laughs> Alyssa is quite literally nine metres away from sure. me right now. She is upstairs and she will not face the music. She will send in her thoughts and make you read them out to be, I, and not I, face I, my I, I suggested she, she write the letter Liz. No! Alyssa? No! Don't do this to me! Don't do this to me! Ah, she's coming down! No, I haven't said whether I like it or not yet! It has been clear from your tone. No! No! (laughs) For those of you who are audio listeners, so everyone, uh, Alyssa proceeded to come downstairs and hold the door open for Jamie. Uh, showing him the way out. Right, let's give our let's give let's give the marks on this. All right. I don't know. So, how, how, what do you think of this film? Out of five. So, for me, very easy. Five. Ah! <laughs> I can see standing right there, isn't she? Yeah, just keep your eyes closed. It's fine. I've got my eyes closed. Um, I enjoyed this film. 
I don't think I necessarily enjoyed it for the reasons in which it is supposed to be enjoyed. But there are aspects of it that I definitely enjoyed for the reasons it's supposed to be enjoyed. I thought the representation of Tom Hanks and his son is very sweet. I thought the comedy landed very, very well. I laughed heartily at lots of parts of this film. Um, I also felt it was interestingly shot and well-directed and the acting is all very good. I just think that perhaps the representations (laughs) of the romance... (laughs) up until the last 10 minutes are potentially creepy and unrealistic but then the representation at the end was very very good and sweet and stuck the landing very very well and if as we i think we've said on a podcast before um or we've said in real life like the ending to a film like has an has an like oversized impact on someone's reaction to the film and if I was so angry at how well the ending was done that I have to appreciate that it was a good film that made me react and made me and enjoyed it. But I can't give it... Just give it what you want. I, I don't know, Alexander! This is the most stressed I've ever been! Do you want to turn around for a second so do anything? No, it's fine! Ah... <laughs> I can't give it five. No, it's it not that's a five. Not, not, that's fine. What are you going to give it? That's not fine. <laughs> exactly. I can't give it five. But I'm, t- um, I'm going to give it a 4.5. Shit. Okay. That's better than I thought you were going to give it. Right. I, I'll, I'll have to say that this, this ranking is under duress. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, as we all know, like, <laughs> evidence... <laughs> evidence gathered under torture is not admissible that's in court. True, that's true, this is torture. I do, I do have three questions for you, and this is through the Owl method. Okay. Did you laugh when watching this film? I did. Did you cry when watching this film? No. Okay, then there's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... I've, the third question is going to be, did you feel something? I did feel something. So 4.5? Yeah. Yeah, so 4.5. Yeah. Yeah, so the fact that you didn't cry is ridiculous. I never cry. I'm an emotional husk of a human being. <laughs> that's true, that's I true. Only, no, I was going to get way too depressing Tom, there. Tom Hanks' anyway. performance out of five. Tom Hanks' performance is five. Yeah, yeah five. Uh, really five. No, fuck it, six. We've, if, we've they, agree, if we've agreed yes, that we oh, can no, have a six, six in the yeah, dick yeah, meter, six, like no, we have to agree yeah, that we can have a six in performance. He's a six. For a film which is, and we didn't talk about it too much, it's basically about destiny and fate and like the, the human soul maybe transcending itself in a weird way um he makes you believe it uh, Meg Ryan makes you believe it they all they, they turn what could be hokey into brilliant um dig me to our five ah yeah I discussed so if it was Is Meg Ryan if yeah. it was Meg Ryan five sure, immediately sure, she's sure. an awful person in this film let's <laughs> just shot me a look <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I, it it's the same it it's tough because I feel like there are aspects of his sure. personality in this mm. that aren't great. Yeah. And you know, you know, yeah, not yeah. not fantastic. But you know what? His wife died. It's true. Like it's it's, true. it's a really tough you don't wanna call him a dick in yeah. any stretch of the imagination. Because fucking hell, he's, he's going through he's a going, real yeah, tough time. It's, it's not fun. So I don't like. I have to give him a zero because I'd feel oh. awful if I oh. gave him anything else. I was gonna like give him a four and a pat on the back. <laughs> You know, some, let's be honest here. We've all had friends who've gone through tough times, and they can be dicks. You can be understanding of the fact that they are a dick, but they're still a dick. So you know what, Tom Hanks? You know, I appreciate you being just a dick a, to your just son. Justify four. Four is so high. Okay, okay Like, okay. I, if I was going to give him a dick, I would give him like a two oh, or no. a two point five. Like, I'd have given him a zero. I, I, no, I, remember, I remember actually as 
a kid, so when I identified more the younger character, watching this and being like, whoa, Tom Hanks is so mean in this to his completely understandable son. Um, so that's probably largely based on that bias from being a small child. Um, I don't I, I don't think we've ever had such a large disparity between Dick between yeah, Dick Meter yeah. and um, Thingy. Um, sure. Wow, yeah, shit. Okay, <sighs> Hanks Bank. Yes, oh, putting yeah. some Hanks Bank. <sighs> Alexander. It's a good one. Like, honestly, in the top... It, it is in the top ten rom-coms of all time. That, that, which is why I'm putting it in there, right? Like, I, I can't go around being like, oh, I like rom-coms. Jamie should watch rom-coms and be like, you shouldn't watch this one. <sighs> this film is going in my Hanks bank. Oh! I... It's, it's really tough. But yeah. firstly, I gave it a 4.5. Sure. Even if it was under duress, I gave it a 4.5 and I'm nothing if not consistent that when I rate films highly, they generally go in my Hanks bank. I enjoyed watching this film. Yeah. Like, I genuinely enjoyed watching it. Again, not for potentially... I enjoyed, I think, in the same way, like... And you hate that I compare it to He Knows You're Alone. But I feel like if you watch this with other people, you can make fun of aspects of it and have a very enjoyable reaction to it. And that was the way I enjoyed it. And I also understand that other people would enjoy it Completely sincerely mm. for their own reasons. Sure. If you're sappy, cunts. you're perverts. <laughs> pervert. Sitting out there believing in love. Yeah, love makes me anxious, as we've established. So I hate this film <laughs> for that aspect. But in other aspects, it's it's a, it's a supremely well made film. It's a supremely well acted film. The direction, the writing is all very very good. Um, and just because I have a weird reaction to romance in rom coms doesn't mean it's not a very good film and can not still be enjoyable so yeah, yeah it's going in my hands bank oh the world is saved today <laughs> yeah we don't uh, normally we would put say so, what's saving humanity this week nah, we have both th- decided this week, that this week the film sleepless in seattle is saving humanity oh i'm really happy about that um i'm uh, so sweaty oh yeah me too it's hot in, it's, it's hot in this hot. room anyway and i have been so keenly aware yeah. of the daggers that are currently being fired what, into the side you, yeah. yes into the side of my head yeah. for the last 10 minutes this is going to be our longest episode oh, yeah. hands down if we've gone even long somehow oh, alexander sh- yeah. you have made me talk about this film longer than i talked uh, about stand up comedy that's true, but jamie you also if you don't forget talked about flexit for a yes. solid 10 minutes yes i did talk about flexit for a solid 10 minutes but i really enjoy doing that yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> i'll t- I, don't worry by the end of this run of this like once we get to reviewing episode 90 we've reviewed everything the first 45 minutes are going to be me describing the long process of Flexit oh man right but with that we come to an end of our of our lovely reunion podcast Um, it's episode 26 you can rate and review us on iTunes. You can follow Please me do. at Jamie P. Loxton. You can yep. follow Al at Al underscore C's mm-hmm. underscore stuff. You can follow us at, at Hanks Bank Pod. Yep. Next week, we ask, you do your bit. I need to find sure. out what we're reviewing Steal next week. other people's yep. phones, strangers' phones, crack into them. I don't know. Find your hacker friend, crack into it, get one of those pieces of film, put it over the thing, get the thumbprint scanned, scan it again. Bingo. You've done it. You're genius. Next, what you're going to do is you're going to download a load of our podcast every single one when you, every time you do that an angel gets his wings that's right this is going to save humanity you need to make sure you do that second of all tweet about us tweet about us wherever tweet us abuse if you want to tweet us anything we're okay contact us on twitter uh, we can be contacted on at Hanks Bank Pod yes at Hanks Bank, Bank Pod, Pod. 
or message us directly for a friend's thought. Of course, next week we are reviewing Fallen Angels, a t- in between Sleepless in Seattle and Philadelphia. Philadelphia. He plays Trouble Boy Number One in the TV anthology series Fallen Angels. Finding this is going to be easy. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be real easy. So if you want to watch that episode, it won't take you that long, no, I assume. Please do. Uh, it's a thirty-minute episode. Send in your thoughts about it. Yeah. You know, if you want to send in an audio clip and get on the podcast like our lovely dear friend Bennett did, I should say um there was also uh, an audio clip from uh bennett's girlfriend which i was not able to uh play on the podcast firstly because she gets us wrong she calls me al and calls you jay yeah. and also uh reveals something that uh, i'm not allowed to reveal on the podcast yet so i'm not allowed to play that i'm gonna find out about that after this podcast yeah, you will i'll play that for you and our dear listeners will probably find about that about that in about three <laughs> no <laughs> I was going to say, we didn't hold that from her game. That's fine. <laughs> Sorry, I made a guess. It was Al, the wrong guess. Al's guess was something to do with pregnancy. Oh, no. No. Oh, right. It's to do with you, you fuckwit. Oh, um, oh, right, right, yes, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. The thing that I'm not allowed to yeah, reveal yeah, yeah. that I accidentally revealed about three months ago on this I'm podcast. Pregnant. <laughs> yes, the fact that you're pregnant. Um, but, will, dear listeners, don't worry. All will be revealed <laughs> in about oh, three so, months' time. Who knows? Again, these were entirely non verbal things. I guess that. Um, uh, uh, yes, yes. Pregnancy. pregnancy. You, made, you did. You did the pregnancy. the 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 classic pregnancy fit pregnancy bit, which yeah. is making a pregnant belly with your hands. Yes. When I said no, you then waved did your hand like, like like Beyonce. Beyonce. Like the dear. Yeah. Anyway, um, I watched Pointless this week, and uh, one of the questions was um, Beyonce singles and Crazy in Love got one, what? and I was furious. I was so angry. Uh, anyway, yes, sorry, we've been very distracted. Goodness gracious, this me- our endings are normally messy anyway, yeah, but holy fuck, episode. this is the messy. <laughs> it's our longest episode. Let's get us out of right. here. From me, Jamie, and my co-host, Al, that's one more ep in the bank. We're back, bitches! Hands back.